so I know some of you guys are like, Esther, I thought we were done with that. Isn't it Christmas? No, today we are wrapping up our Esther series uh, this morning as, uh, and it will lead, I promise you, it's going to lead right in to the celebration of Christmas and why we remember and why we celebrate things like Thanksgiving and holidays and why they're so important. I uh, was gone last week and our friend Mark Andresen preached on waiting on the Lord. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and just so we've had a week off, let me just catch up real fast. We've been looking through the story of Esther, uh, which is one of the last books in the Old Testament. And we hear about these evil plans of this guy named Haman that wants to, uh, wants to wipe out the people of God, the Jewish people, uh, because of a personal offense and all this stuff. He builds it all up. And so uh, in, as we saw in that last one, the great reversal, we saw as everything that Haman had planned turned turned on him. He was planning on killing the Jewish people. He was planning on killing Mordecai. And instead, he gets killed on the pole that he had set up to kill Mordecai. And the Jewish people were empowered to defend themselves. And we get a, a summary of it here at the, the end of the book of Esther. It's kind of like a summary, and it's an understanding. We got to remember like, that this book was written after they had already been celebrating this holiday that we're going to look at today called Purim. And they had already been celebrating. So this book is written after the people and all of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. They're afraid of the Jewish people, their history, their heritage of God defending them. And then, and all of the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews. And why did they help them? Because of fear of Mordecai. Now remember, this Mordecai is Esther's uncle. When we first met him in the first two chapters, he's this timid, quiet guy, not owning his faith, not, not standing up for what he believes. He tells Esther to not tell anybody he's a Jew. Now he goes from passive, quiet, timid to he is feared by others. Verse Mor 4 says Mordecai was prominent. In the palace, his reputation spread throughout, not just in Susa, not just in the capital there, but in the, throughout all the provinces. And he became more and more powerful. Listen to this. So now they, they, they come, they want to attack the Jewish people. The Jews are now empowered to, uh, to defend themselves. Verse 5 says, the Jews struck down all of their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did what they pleased with those who hated them. These people hated them, wanted them destroyed, wanted them dead, and they could defend themselves. Listen to this in verse 6. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. And they also killed those, you can play Christmas bingo with those kids' names, of uh, the ten sons of Haman, uh, the Hamathodite. Uh, and so the enemy of the Jew, remember we talked about Haman. So these, not only does Haman die, all ten of his sons are killed by this. But look at this last verse right here. It says, they did not lay a hand on the plunder. Again, Mordecai, this guy that rised up that was so timid, he stepped into God's calling on his life, stepped up into what God had called him to do. Man, and this boldness comes upon him, this strength. It just clarifies again that Jesus has this way of using, not, the, not always the qualified, but he qualifies the called. You lean in to that thing that God is calling you to do. He will empower you. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you to do that thing that he has placed on your heart to do more than your own ability. That's what we see with Mordecai. As he leaned into his identity as a Jew, as he leaned into this, this role that he had to defend the people of Israel, 
God empowers him to do this. And that last verse in verse 10 gives us this hint of not just life change with Mordecai, but I think it's hinting to a, a life change and, a, and this, this redirection of the last generation's got this wrong and they're going to have a different heart change and a different response. It says that they did not lay hands on the plunder. Now, uh, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about this, remembering that, so Haman is you know, the guy that hates the Jews, and Mordecai is the uncle of Esther, who is Jewish. And these two families have had fighting going on from long, long ago. Remember we learned that it, it identifies Mordecai as Kish, a descendant of Saul. And King Saul, when King Saul was in the Old Testament there, in, first, uh, second, in Samuel, for Samuel, we read that he was told by God to go and destroy the Amalekites, every single one of them, and to not take their plunder. Do not take their plunder. But what did Saul do? He thought that he knew better than God. He thought that he knew better than the prophet Samuel. What does he say? He goes, well, we won't kill all of them. He let some of them live. He let their king live. And he did take their plunder. And so here's this now, generations, hundreds of years later, they're like responding of like, hey, remember King Saul? He, God told him not to take the plunder. And he did it anyway. And look what it led to. We're not going to touch the plunder. And man, that had to be a great temptation, a testing right there, right? Because, man, this is the city of, uh, the, of Susa. Lots of wealth, lots of influence. So if you took someone's life, you essentially had access to their belongings, to their wealth. And so they just laid it aside and did not take that. So again, we see this over and over in the stories, like the summary of God seems to do what is impossible. The Jewish people had this death sentence on them. There was no way out, and God takes them through it. I mean, could you imagine how long that time had to be from the time that they said that they were going to be killed until they were able to defend themselves? I mean, there was a long time of waiting. That was a long, almost a year's time of waiting for that. There was a testing of the trials and, until the end, and they see in the end that God had a plan for the rescue the entire time that God had given them the victory before the battle had even started, right? I mean, that's what we need to see sometimes is that even in these long years of waiting and trials and challenges that God is up to something. Many of us would say that 2020 has been the most challenging year in many people's lives, in your family's lives, in your individual lives, in your school life, in your work life. It's been a year of disruption. It's been a year of, of challenge. You know, we started with the message series of 2020 vision. Come on, let's go with the 2020 vision back in January. And that all kind of diffused really quickly, right? But man, I'm also seeing and hearing stories of what God is doing in people's lives. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to sit down with Adam and Carolyn, uh, who are part of our church community. Hello, Adam and Carolyn that are joining us online there today. Uh, Adam is one of our frontline workers. He's an ICU nurse in a hospital. So he has been right there uh, working with a lot of COVID patients. And during this time, uh, Carolyn was pregnant with their second baby. And man, that was just, a, that was a really challenging time. And they actually, they actually, she went to Rockford. So while he was working in the hospital, just to not carry that disease home and just a lot of stuff that they faced. And you, River City Church, you guys came alongside and brought meals and supported them and helped them when Adam was uh, living alone and working long hours at the hospital. Thank you for your prayers for him. And then uh, Carolyn, when they had the baby, uh, number two baby, they, they brought home. And so I just want to hear, Carolyn shared some great testimonies of how God has been faithful this year. Um, I was standing in my kitchen, and I've never heard God's voice as clearly as I heard it this day. I was standing there, just kind of 
getting some snacks out or whatever. And um, I felt like I heard God's voice in my mind say, I'm going to help you grow your family, and then I'm going to ask you to stay home. So um, I told Adam, I said, I think God's going to ask me to leave my job when we have another child. And I did not know how literally he meant, I'm going to ask you to stay home. That was specifically like the phrase that I heard. This has been super, super hard. I felt like God was preparing me a long time ago. Because um, I've never heard his voice as clearly as I heard it that day. And I even went to Bible study like the next week, and I told all the girls there, I said, I heard this voice. God said, I'm going to help you grow your family, and then you're going to he's going to ask me to stay home. I was like, I think he's going to ask me to leave my job. And I told all the girls, I thought, I thought, you know, you're going to stay home. I thought, stay home from my job. Yeah. I didn't know literally stay home. <laughs> stay home. And I thought it was interesting, that phrase, because it's the phrase that you've been hearing all year, like the stay-at-home corner, everybody stay at home, stay at home. Like, I just heard that phrase so many times, and I heard that phrase. And then a couple of months after I heard that voice, you know, we did get pregnant, and I wasn't feeling well. I basically like lost all of my pregnancy symptoms, and then I went to church, and Nancy prayed with me, and we were back in the next couple of days. So another prayer that was answered was during one of my ultrasounds. They told me that they thought that they saw a hole in her heart, and so I just asked all of our all of our friends to pray for us. You know, I said, just ask a big prayer. I said, just pray that we go in the next time. And they say, we don't even see what they were talking about last time. I said, those specific words. I said, I just want to hear when I walk in. I said, I know it's a tall order, but please. I just, you know, I know you're a big God, and I know that you can do this. And I kid you not, when we went to the doctor the next time, the ultrasound tech pulled up the ultrasound, and she came back into the room and started reading us the results. And the words were exactly what I prayed. She came in and she said, well, I don't know what they were talking about last time, but we don't see anything. And I think it's the difficult years that have the challenges that really force you to grow. And in a weird way, I'm thankful for that because I know we've grown. We could have turned away from each other, but we've really leaned into one another and into God and gotten closer with God and each other because of it. So it was about... Sorry for the wind interruption on that one. As you saw, we were on a back porch there. But I love that she said this was a year that some years are good years, but some years are more challenging and bring trials, but it's actually caused them to grow and lean into Jesus more and to each other. It is amazing what we can do when we lean into this time of allowing God to do some things, even in uh, 2020. This last week, uh, while I was driving uh, for the holidays and uh, listened to this podcast, and they said that, you know, 20 plus 20 equals 40. And not that I didn't already know that. <laughs> not that I already didn't know that, but we're in the year 2020. And then you look at the number 40, okay, 40 in the Bible, mentioned in the Bible, has the, it's, it's mentioned 146 times the, the number 40 is, brings up. And it generally symbolizes a time of testing or trial or probation, right? Noah and the flood, what it, the, the judgment flood, 40 days and 40 nights. During Moses' life, he lived 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness before God selected him to lead his people out of slavery. Moses also went up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights on two separate occasions, receiving God's law. He sent spies into the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb go out for 40 days. The prophet uh, Jonah powerfully warned the ancient Nineveh people that for 40 days that destruction would come to them because of their many sins. The prophet Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days to symbolize Judah's sin. 
Elijah went 40 days without food and water on Mount Horeb. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness when he fasted and was in the wilderness for 40 days before he came out and started his ministry. Jesus also appeared to his disciples and others for 40 days after the resurrection before he ascends to heaven. And so this 40 represents like this idea of like these trials, these challenges, right? Is that this, this difficult, this difficult time also shows like in, in punishment, right? The, 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 it also shows like the generation of a man because of the sins of the, the Israelites leaving Egypt. God told them that, they, that this, this generation would not enter into Canaan. Instead, this generation wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So this number 40. And so maybe this for you, of, it meant something to me when I heard it, of like 20 plus 20 equals 40. Okay. Like maybe this has been a very trying, a very challenging, a very difficult year. And you're walking through it. But I just want to encourage you that you lean into these times just like the, the, the people in the story of Esther leaned into it and trusted God as that even though they had a death sentence on them, they continued to trust God and to build their faith. And I just want to tell you that don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop, don't stop believing the word of God. Don't stop leaning into the word of God. Don't stop uh, being around other believers that build your faith. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep trusting. Keep leaning in. Keep believing that the best is yet to come. That this, there is light at the end of this. That though sorrows may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Right? Dawn is coming. Joy is coming. Maybe we should do a series on that. Right? Dawn is coming. So, uh, joking. For those that have been with me, we did a First Peter series. So, um, that's the idea of this book of Esther. It's a summary of God, that at the end of this book is giving us a summary of what God has done, that it might lead to celebration. And this is what we're going to see here in a minute. And this is so important for you and for me to see and to make note that we are part of God's people. We are a people that try to be so individualistic and so much about just our family. But as you become a believer, as you are part of the body of Christ, you're part of the church worldwide. And I mean, we, we read the Bible. That's why it's so powerful. We open it up and we see these times that God moved and brought salvation, whether it's in Babylon and Persia and Egypt and Nineveh. Wherever God brings salvation, we are part of his family, part of his story. Their salvation essentially is our salvation because it's all pointing to Jesus and it gives us reason to celebrate. The, the church history itself, you know, of God's people, God working through his people, God working in his people, through and around, and sometimes in spite of his people, to bring about his promises. So listen, we've got to let go of this individualistic kind of mindset. And we see in the scripture that God's people were part of this whole thing moving forward. And so as we lean into Christmas and we see that Jesus comes to bring salvation and gives hope. And it shows up in those days and we can, we can build our faith on those. And we can see that, God, you showed up for them. You were faithful to your prophets. You were faithful to your word then. You're going to be faithful to what you have promised us in our generation. Lord, it might be challenging. It might be difficult. There might be trials we're working through. But we're leaning into this. And so we're reading this. And I, as we read about this celebration that they go into, this, this edict that they put forth of like, kind of like, we need to celebrate what God has done at the end of Esther here. I want you to think about your particular salvation. The salvation of yourself. The salvation of your family. 
The salvation of whether it was from your terrible, horrible fate that you were facing, whether it was sickness, maybe it was eternal condemnation and, and death, maybe it was from the sin that plagued you, maybe it was from a past that haunted you, that God set you free, and there's reason to celebrate that you are here today, that he is a God that works all things together for the good of those who love and trust him. And I think what we're going to see here is that it's so important to write this stuff down, to remember it, to pass it on to the next generation, that we can tell our family. What if we look back and we journaled of our family? This is when our family came to Christ. This is when our family came and, and left the world's way of thinking, and we came into the kingdom mindset way of thinking. This is why Christians, it's good to to journal, to make video, to write down. The, that's why we have in the Old Testament, we have feasts, we have festivals, we have holidays, we have celebrations to make note of this, right? This is why we do this stuff. We remember what God has done. And we do this as a nation, right? We just did it for Thanksgiving. We remember the pilgrims coming. We take this time of giving thanks. We do it on the 4th of July, thanking God for our our declaration of independence and what he has done here. We do it on Veterans Day, thanking for those that had served and given their lives so we can have the freedom that we have. See, there's something about remembering and going through these, these routine rituals. Sometimes the older we get, it's just like, oh, here comes another year. Here comes another Christmas. But let's not miss what God is doing in this. And as Christmas is coming, I mean, in the church we do it, right? Christmas is about Jesus, the celebration of Jesus and Jesus coming and this miraculous birth and, birth and Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. And these, these celebrations are so important for us to continue to remember and to pass on and lean into them in the future. And I know that sometimes we can even feel overwhelmed and kind of heavy of like, okay, we're going to do Christmas. Here we go again. But like to celebrate it. And that's what we're going to see is that we, this connection of Purim, it's a party. It's really a party. So in chapter, jumping down to chapter, of chapter 9, verse 20, we learn what this Purim is all about, this time of remembering. It says, Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th day of the month of Adar, as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when the sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote to them to observe the days as the days of feasting and joy and giving presents and food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration. They had begun doing what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the son of Hamathatha, the Agite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and to cast and cast the pur. That is a lot. We're going to explain that in a minute. And their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back on his own head and that he and his sons would be impaled on poles. Therefore, these days were called Purim. From the word pure. Because everything written in these letters and because of what they had seen and what had happened to them. So see now they had already been celebrating this holiday as a Jewish people because Mordecai had sent this out. Now this letter, uh, this book of Esther is written to help them to see why do we have this holiday? Why do we have this holiday? And I think it's important for us as we head into the holiday season that we remember that actually comes from the word holy days. That's what holidays mean. They're meant holy days. And oftentimes we can get into this mode of celebrating the holidays apart from God. 
Sometimes, even with different family gatherings and, and work gatherings, we can almost celebrate in defiance of God. We eat too much. We drink too much. But, but listen, we're called to celebrate God in these holidays that we are given. It shows a lot about us by what we celebrate, right? By what we observe, by what we, what we say is important. You know, the couple that goes all out celebrating their anniversary every single year says a lot about their marriage, right? The, the person that, that remembers the date that they came to Jesus Christ and they celebrate that and they tell us about that tells a lot about them. What you celebrate, what you get excited about, what you cook for, food for, what you invite others over to your house for, that says a lot about what you are celebrating, right? You get excited about Christmas. You get excited about Easter because it's about Jesus. Verse 27 says this, the Jews took it on themselves to establish the custom they and their descendants and all who joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the appointed time. He says this is about, this isn't just about you guys that experienced this the first time of this being turned around. No, this is about your kids. This is about your grandkids. This is about your great grandkids that they would know Jesus, that they would know who Jesus is, that they would know about who he has, what he has done, this great God who has provided a way. It's not enough, people, for you to know God alone, to come to salvation alone. It's for your kids to come to salvation. It's for your grandkids to come to salvation. It's for your great grandkids to come to salvation and setting forth a new generation in your family is why it's so important for you to celebrate what God has done amongst your family, to celebrate and tell what God has done. That's why we try many times as a family to celebrate and talk about how God has answered prayers that we have prayed so our kids see that God is active, God is moving, God does answer prayers. We tell them the story of how their mom's dad, their grandfather came to Christ and when he came to Christ he set a whole new course for the family, set the family in a whole new direction and now all of the adult children are following Jesus because of the decision he made to walk away from a life of, of, of defiance of God to obey, obeying God and following God. It's just important for them to know the, our salvation story, their mom's salvation story, my, my mother's salvation story, that they see that they're part of this family, this community, that you're part of a history and a legacy of God's grace to you that then affects family. God's grace to you and God's grace through you and God's grace in spite of you, right? <laughs> that he continues to show up and do this. This is important stuff. And this is why it's, as we head into the holidays, to make record, to record, as Daniel said, make some art pieces about this. And we said that uh, it, goes, it goes on and says, some, verse 28 says, These days should be remembered and observed in every generation, by every family, in every providence, in every city. And the days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among your descendants. So really fast, I just want to explain one other thing here of like this, this idea of why they call it Purim, right? Purim, because <clears throat> remember Haman was a powerful man, but he was a, a pagan man. He was a, he did not believe in the one true God. He was in fact evil man. He was spiritual 
Because we, we, and, and we need to diff- make a difference with that. A lot of people today will say, oh, I'm spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. And they think that being spiritual in itself is good. But I'm telling you that is not true. The Bible teaches that there are many other religions and they have other gods. But there is one true God. And these other false gods are actually demons and are pretending to be gods and goddesses. So we need to be very careful of what we allow in. And so when you lean into just spirituality, if you worship them, they they will answer your prayers. They do have powers. They do have strengths. Their supernatural comes with even these false gods that are demons. There are counterfeit signs and wonders and miracles. The Bible says Satan masquerades as an angel of light. The Bible declares that the Satan is the great deceiver and his intent is to lead the whole world astray. So all of this is biblical language of like that you, when we say that we are spiritual, you are in grave danger because in the spirit realm, it's not only God, there's also Satan, there's not only angels, there's also demons. Right? So we need to be careful. And this man Haman was powerful, was influential. I would say that maybe he even sought these spirits to get the power, influence, wealth, and and the control that he had. Maybe these demons answered his prayers, his petitions, to become the second most powerful man in all of Susa. And so, what does he do? He does this thing, it's called casting lights, he's pure. And this this, this is like this rolling of the dice... This is divination, this is witchcraft, this is sorcery, sorcery. This is consulting a medium, this is astrology, this is using a Ouija board. This is going to some other spiritual leader that is not a Christian. This is going into the spirit realm, but not through Jesus Christ. And so he rolls this dice of like, hey, do you want us to wipe out, do you want us to kill the Jewish people? And they, they roll this dice and he says, yeah, yeah, like the demons say, yes, annihilate, wipe out all of the Jewish people. Because that, like, they know that Jesus is coming from this. And so, of course, they want to wipe it out and they want to kill him. And then they says, like, oh, when should it be done? And they roll the dice asking when it should be done. And so this is this whole entire idea of, like, and there it's the great reversal. Because he rolled pure. And so they, they're, like, turning it pure. Is that though they consulted with demons and tried to, to annihilate them, to wipe them out, to kill them, just as Proverbs says very clearly that we roll the dice But God determines exactly how the dice fall. That God of the Bible is over it all. And it shows us again, that's what the story is telling us, is that yes, there is a God, and yes, there is a Satan. But in yes, there is God and angels, and there is the devil and his demons. But those that are more powerful, God is still over it all, above it all. He is the one that is over them all, and they will cower to him. Amen? So, you say like, okay, so this, this holiday, let's, let's celebrate it every March. And, and maybe you have some Jewish friends, some Jewish neighbors, some Jewish coworkers, and you've heard them talk about this holiday of this party that they get together. And it's kind of a very interesting holiday. As you, you read right there, it tells them to give gifts to each other and to those that are poor, which is, leads to this heart of generosity. You know, I, I love that because that's, a, that's a, what we do with the Christmas season and the holiday season is we're looking out and our eyes are kind of open to those that have less than us, the single mothers, the widows, the orphans, the foster kids, those that have been affected negatively by what 2020 has brought them and COVID has brought them. And it's not their own sin, their own folly, their own bad investment, their own sense of entitlement. Not those, not, not those things, but people that are really on hard times that God has placed 
people on your heart and mind that you're like, hey, we have some extra and we're going to share what we have. This is God's people loving God by caring for people because God is love. God gave, God is a giver. So we, as response to him, are givers. So we keep our eyes open even more so in this season for opportunities to show God's grace, to show God's love, to show his care. It's what we, we have the, the We Care uh, project going on. We had about four or five families start to submit their needs to us this week. And we're going to start letting you guys know that so we can come alongside and support these families that are in need. And we don't want to overlook those, not just what the church puts out before you, but keep your eyes open. God, who are you putting before me that I am supposed to reach out to? So, one last, two more last things. So this, this idea of this, the pure, like are, are we as Christians, as Christ followers, are we supposed to celebrate this? You know, like, what are we supposed to do with this? I guess it's, it's, a, it's an interesting holiday, you know, like, especially even for the Jewish people today. They still celebrate it. A lot of times they go to the synagogue. Some people dress up for it. It's a very uh, interactive. They read the whole story, the whole book of Esther, and people boo and hiss when Haman's name is said, and it's very interactive and all this stuff. And they have big meal together, and they play music, and it's kind of different than the other days you go to the synagogue. But the question is, like, should we celebrate it? And I would say it's not a sin to celebrate it, but I would say if you want to, you're welcome to, but it's not considered one of the feast of the Lord given to Moses. It's, it's, and, and, and it's not one of those. And so remember, this comes way, this is the end of the Old Testament, so this comes way after the law. But if you do celebrate it, like anything that you would celebrate it, remember that it's all about Jesus. Because if it's not about Jesus, it becomes routine. It becomes, uh, it becomes routine and not ritual. It becomes something that you do outwardly, but it doesn't bring inward joy, right? How many of you guys know that? Like, we can do a lot of things, even as we walk into the holidays, that, that are just routine. This is what we do at this time of the year. This is what we do. And, and they're just, but they're not ritual, right? It's just something Maybe growing up you had to go to church and maybe it wasn't a real experience that you had in your heart. So you were kind of like just going through the feelings, going through the emotions of, oh man, I got to go to church. And if I can't get out of going to church, if I can't avoid it, I'll bear through it and I'll endure it. And communion means nothing to you except for bad crackers and bad wine, right? And, and people who sing meant nothing to you. And, and like you're like, what is all this about and why are people getting excited about this? And then you meet Jesus and all of a sudden routine, which you did, now becomes ritual. All of a sudden communion is like, oh my gosh, that's about Jesus. That's about his broken body and his shed blood for me. Oh, that's meaningful. And, and wow, this is the church and we're, we're God's people and we get to come together and we get to sing to him. And they're singing about Jesus and Jesus has done so much for me. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, so I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. And then we get to be in the body of Christ and building one another up and hearing from the word of God. And we sing about Jesus and we hear his word proclaimed and it, now our eyes and our ears are open and now it's life-giving because it went from routine to ritual it had meaning it has purpose and so often we need to be on the guard against that that we don't just fall into this routine it becomes a ritual that it's like it is regular habits that we do that's why we continue to have Christmas continue to have Easter continue to have sermons continue to have preaching is because we yes they're ritual 
And listen, we can go through a lot of things that are routine, and we need to continue to check those, right? Of like, I mean, I, I, when, I, when I give my kids a hug and tell them I love them or I pray for them at night, it can be routine, but I want it to be ritual, that it's important that I'm praying over them. When I, when I tell my wife I love her and I hold her hand, I, it can be very routine, but you want it to be ritual, that it's meaningful, it's purposeful. When I get up to preach, I don't, I, it is not routine for me. It is ritual. It is like, wow, we have an opportunity to present God's word. And so, in addition to this, this whole celebrating of this, this holiday, again, it comes after the law, the, the Pentateuch, the, that we read in the Old Testament of the books of Moses, the, the five books, right? The beginning of the Bible, and this is many, many years later. So I would say that it, it's not really, it doesn't fall under one of the, the feast of the Lord, but the heart of it is, the heart of it is that this was spontaneous. They had been rescued. They had been saved from a very difficult and challenging situation. And so they, they were very, they wanted to celebrate. They, it was spontaneous. And so here's my big idea. Here's my big thing is, big takeaway. If you love Jesus and you're excited about something, you have permission to throw a party whenever you want. Right? You can, right? You don't, you don't have to have permission. Like, did you know that? You can throw a party. You can cook food. You can have a meal together. You can have music. You can have people over. You can do stuff in a way, you can throw parties in a way that honors the Lord, that celebrates the Lord. And that's what we see here is this, this story of Esther as it wraps up. They are celebrating their salvation. They're celebrating that God came and saved them. It's this great reversal. And it shows us how to, as we head into the holiday season, that we can redeem the celebration. We can redeem the feasting. We can redeem the holidays. We can redeem the food so we're not gluttonous, but we're worshipers. We can redeem the drink so we're not drunkards, but we're worshipers. We can celebrate God, not in defiance, but we can celebrate with the presence of God. Even when we're with family members that may not believe in God, we can still bring this about in a beautiful way. And so many Christians, like when we're called to celebrate, and there's so much that he has done and continues to do, in people's lives, and that's what we celebrate. I wanted to share one more story with you as we close. Um, about a year, and oh, no, it was two, two summers ago, uh, this young boy, Bryce, happenstance, happened to come to youth camp with the youth group going down to a youth camp, and, and there Bryce uh, comes to know of Jesus and accepts Jesus in his heart, and just a few months later, uh, he is, comes to find out that he has a cancerous brain tumor in his, in, in his brain. There's been a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of chemo that he's gone through. And his mom and Tammy have been on this big journey. And I just want, many of you guys have been asking how he's doing, where he's at, what's going on. Of course, with all that they're going through, they've had to quarantine even more carefully than most of us. And here, check them out of Tammy and Bryce giving an update of what God has been doing in their life. Hi, I'm Tammy. I'm Bryce. And we're just here. We want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we thought we would just talk a little bit about the things that we're super thankful for this Thanksgiving and give a little um, update on Bryce and how he's progressing and how he's doing. So you want to start with how you're doing? Yeah, um, I'm doing I'm doing spectacular. I mean, I'm feeling I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling like all back to normal. I'm just. I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm, th I'm just thankful for everyone, really. And um, the last MRI showed some really great news. Yeah. Um, my tumor was half the size it was, and it's staying stable. Thanks. 
<laughs> yes, well, and they're calling it better than stable, right? Yeah. Right. So um, Bryce is continuing to do his chemo. He just started another round. So and uh, we're praying, and um, we really hold in our hearts the belief that it's going to be even smaller. Amen. We just we feel it, we know it, we know that God's working and healing Bryce from inside. We just know it. That, yeah. um, he's doing great. He looks good. Look at him. He's grown two inches, a mustache. If you can see, look at that. <laughs> yeah. So we're really thankful for Bryce's health and how he's doing. And um, uh, we're really thankful for my health yeah. and how I'm doing. Recently, yeah. um, had a little health scare, big health scare. Um, yeah. And uh, we got it taken care of, and we're very grateful for the medical care that we that I received and, um, and the compassion from um, our church and our community to help us through that um and i have uh, been officially pain-free yay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the first time in a, about three years so feeling good and uh we're super grateful uh, we just got back from bryce's make-a-wish trip and very grateful that uh, we experienced that with bryce being as healthy and strong as he is um and it was just magical Super magical. It, it really was, yeah. Yeah. What else? Mm. Jesus. Jesus has helped yes. us through. Jesus. So many Jesus things. has helped us through so many. So that's, I think, our biggest thing with Bryce and I and our journey is me um, bringing Jesus Christ back into my heart and stop pushing him away. And Bryce learning um, about Jesus right away and bringing Jesus into his heart. And Every step of the way, Jesus has been there with us. And um, I have much more compassion for what he's gone through. Um, and it kind of brings us a little closer together. Um, just where we were with, you know, our fears. And then when just giving ourselves completely to Jesus and that trust. Um, how just, I don't know, we kind of floated. We floated in his arms and just pulled through, right? Is yeah. that what you would say? Yeah. yeah. Exactly what I'd say. Yeah. So we are just so thankful for Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I get emotional. I cry every single time, and that's okay. I'm uh, yeah. just so grateful and thankful. Mm. Um, but thanks for listening to us a little bit, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this a little more, right? Yeah. And we're really thankful and grateful for our, our family at River City. Yeah. Thank all you guys. That's right. From day one, you've been a family, mm -hmm. and we love you, and we love being part of it, um, and we miss you, right? Yeah, we, we miss so many people. We do. Um, but um, this is Tammy. This is Bryce. And we love you. Love you guys. Right? Yeah. Um, God bless. God bless. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's so awesome that Jesus uses all things for his good and for his purpose. And I just love how simple Bryce just makes it. I just love that simple message. The thing he's thankful for is just Jesus. And he's been there. And like, listen, as we head, you know, as I want us to just to get that, that, that simplicity that Bryce had there. It was just about Jesus. See, sometimes we as Christians aren't the best at celebrating, right? We're not the best at celebrating because like, listen, we come to church and, and sometimes we, op or we, go, we open our Bible, we come to church, we listen to a sermon. And, 
and all we hear about sometimes is our sin and, and our sin and what our sin is. I think there's my sin and there's my idols and there's my pride and there's my ego. And like we're, just our sin is kind of thrown in our face. And sin doesn't lead us to celebrate, right? Sin leads us to, to damnation. Sin leads us to, to just feeling more heavy. But sal- salvation leads us to celebration. So as Christians, yes, we acknowledge our sin. But at the end, we get a savior that changes our sin. Now, that's the big idea of what we celebrate is that, listen, we can throw a party anytime as we go into these holiday seasons. Because, listen, we have, our sin doesn't lead us to celebrate. Our sin leads us to more. But we celebrate a God who came and made a way for us and forgave us of our sin. And that's what we're celebrating. And that's what we're looking forward to. So as we walk into this season, and maybe it feels a little forced right now. Maybe it feels a little routine. Or maybe some of you are, like, really excited about the holiday season coming. As we're going to deck this place out with Christmas. And we're just using this phrase that Christmas is not canceled this year. Christmas is not canceled. We are still celebrating that Jesus has come, that miracles still happen. We're leaning into what he wants to do. And listen, we're excited about that. But listen, let's not get into just the routine. Let's start to slow down and see the ritual that God is doing in each of these things. When we see the lights, when we see the manger scenes, when we see what he's doing, that it just awakens our heart to know that he is through this. Whatever trials, whatever challenges this year may bring, on the other side of it, he's got great stuff. So would you guys stand with me as I pray for you? And uh, just thank you so much for Carolyn and Adam and Bryce for, for just sharing with us today. And Tammy. Lord, I just thank you so much for our church community. Those that are here, those that are, are still traveling, those that are quarantined, those that are online, Lord, uh, those that are coming to the next service. Lord, I just thank you, God, for who you are, for what you're doing, Lord. And Lord, help us, Lord, as we look at the story of Esther, Lord, that they saw, Lord Jesus, that they, they took, you took them on this journey, Lord. And it was a challenging and it was a challenging time of trusting you. But, Lord, in the end, they trusted you, Lord. And you, you came to their defense. And, Lord, then they celebrated the salvation that comes from you. Lord, as we head into, as we just had Thanksgiving, Lord, and as we start to put up Christmas decorations at our house. And, Lord, help us to not just do it routinely, Lord Jesus. Lord, but let us make ritual out of it, Lord Jesus. Putting our eyes and our focus on you and that you are going to show up in many ways. Lord, we're continuing to believe for miracles and provision, Lord, for Bryce and for many others, Lord Jesus, that need miracles this season and this year, Lord, that you can do the impossible. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. When said, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. I love you guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your beautiful weekend. And as we jump into all that is ahead.